It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 24th, 2014. We're back and we're glad that you're part of the program. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. And all we can say is, wow, we've had a good week. Hey, it's been a really good week here in Columbia, Tennessee, and we'd love to tell a little bit about it. We we had been announcing uh, that we were having a special community Bible study, and that was Monday and Tuesday of this mm-hmm. week here in Columbia. Some of you who are listening, I think, probably were able to attend. Some who were in the nearby Middle Tennessee area were able to attend. We had a uh, at the Memorial Building in Columbia, Tennessee, we had a two-night session on the important and sort of hot-button topic of homosexuality. We got a lot of response from our community. We had a tremendous number of visitors. We had an excellent opportunity to study God's Word on this important subject and also to learn from the Scriptures how we should act as Christians relative to this really moral dilemma. Well, it's not a dilemma, moral crisis, I would say. Maybe that's better, moral crisis that we're, that we're living in. And uh, it, it, was really, it was really a great, uh, very encouraging Two nights of study, and we were very thankful to see lots of interest by lots of people in our community to come out and to, to hear the truth on this important topic. And uh, the good news for you, if you didn't make it to the, the study on uh, Monday and Tuesday night, it is on our website now. How do, I, how do I find that on the website? If you will go to our homepage, collegeview.com, there's a link there. All right. And, and you can go there. You can get to the Community Bible Study yeah. logo, and you and, click on that. And you can go to the – it'll take you to a page, and you'll have a choice there. You can watch the video from either night, or you can listen to the audio, and it's available in MP3 and WMA formats, and you can choose which one you like. And I will be putting those in the sermon podcast feed tonight as well. So that, okay. that little bonus there. I'm going to put your, one of your sermons from Sunday, too. They're, those are too good to miss, and then we'll catch the other two. So it'll be three for one tonight Ooh, wow. on the sermon podcast. And, and, now, know, that, Anthony, surely they're going to have to pay extra for that. Aren't no, no, no extra. Anthony's behind the controls. Anthony, is that a podcast uh, uh, boo-boo to do three at one time? Question. I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not much of a podcast guru. I do use it, um, but I don't know. About I don't want to, you know, do any kind of podcast it might, etiquette. Uh, it might be yeah. podcast overdose. Yeah. It might be, but you'll want to check. And if you're not signed up for that sermon podcast, you can do that by uh, clicking on our website there as well. There'll be a sign up resources is the tab you want to look at there for the podcast link. But it's a definite must hear. I really think so. I, I uh, Kevin Clark. Uh, from Birmingham, Alabama. He's he's not a regular preacher. He does a lot of preaching, but he's actually an attorney, a very successful attorney in Birmingham, Alabama. And he was uh, he was the one who conducted the study for us and did a fantastic job. Um, I think just everybody that uh, was in attendance was very favorably impressed. You know what, Jacob? We even had some folks come uh, in opposition what they knew we would be teaching, but we were able to have uh, good and congenial discussions with them and, and hopefully maybe even an opportunity for some follow-up. Yeah, Kevin presented the material in such a way that it was not uh, it was not such that would cause, uh, you know, people to get upset. It was just he stated the facts very efficiently and effectively uh, and sort of took the the argument off the table. We do, there, was the, there wasn't the, the abrasive argument that, that this emotional subject sometimes can get. Well, you know, I, I think a lot of times those who oppose homosexuality are considered to be haters or despisers or sort of, uh, you know, the, the word that's become popular is gay bashing, uh, you know. And, Homophobes. And, and so I think a lot of times people, everyone who opposes homosexuality is painted with that broad brush, and that's – that's just not accurate. I mean, uh, and so hopefully we were able to demonstrate that although we oppose this uh, activity, we think it's sinful because we believe what the Bible says about it. It's not that we 
are hating people. Uh, we love people, and we and, and we desire the best for everyone. All right, and so you'll want to check that out on our website and in the sermon podcast feed uh, later on tonight as well. It's on YouTube. You can watch the video. You can check it out on our website. We'll hope you'll uh, check out the, uh, the the Bible study on homosexuality earlier this week. All right, on to uh, this tonight's topic. All right, so uh, with that behind us now, we can move on to some new topics. Uh, although that's very important, and I don't I don't want to diminish the the, the valuable resource that those. Uh, archives will be on our website, yeah. so I encourage people to look to those. And this year's uh, community Bible study is over, but Lord willing, it's not the last. Hopefully, we'll do that again. It was our fourth annual summer Bible series, and so fifth and annual. Hopefully, we'll have Lord willing, we'll have another one next year. All right. Uh, one other bit of housekeeping here, Jacob. Tonight concludes nine years of the virtual Bible study. In wow. fact, nine years ago tomorrow was the first episode of the virtual Bible study. Wow. And so, Anthony. Wow, that, yeah, that's amazing. You, so you're, what, you're, you didn't know how lucky you were to uh, be here tonight. I know. I, sort of the anniversary. Special, uh, yeah, we need some um, cake or streamers. <laughs> I wondered why you're wearing that pointy hat tonight. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, uh, but what that also means, Jacob, is that if you were to look on our archive page, there's a, and I didn't add them up exactly, but there's very approximately close 450 episodes of the virtual Bible study yeah. there. A little over that, a little really. Over that, yeah. A little over that, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, a wide range of topics. I wouldn't want anybody to think that we're single-issue people. You know, that, that sometimes, we're sometimes represented that way when we talk about homosexuality, that, that we're just, you know, one-topic kind of people. we just got one hobby to ride. Yeah. And that's not the case. I mean, I, I, would, I don't know. I didn't look, but I wouldn't think that there's more than four or maybe five episodes of the virtual Bible study in all that time that's dealt with that topic specifically. Mm-hmm. We've dealt with all kinds of topics, and you can do a search of those on the website. Uh, we've lost some of the archives in the video format. Of course, we didn't that's start okay. out with video anyway. That's okay. We didn't start out with video anyway. Right. We started, it was, it was exclusively an audio thing initially. Uh, we over time, because of some changes with some of the places where we had things stored and, and so forth, we've lost access to some of those uh, earlier videos. But we have all of the audios in. Uh, if you look in the archives under WMA archives, that's where they all they're are. all are. We there. didn't start with even podcasting at the beginning. Right, that was about six months later, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and so, but yeah, 450 hours. Yeah. Or more, or more, more, more than four hundred feet. We need to do. We need to add that up. But uh, that's uh, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. If you listen forty hours a week, you're looking. If you at listen to an episode, months. If you listen to an episode every day, you won't be done by this time next year. Wow. Isn't that right? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you're not going to catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's more uh, encouragement for you to listen every week because yeah. once you get behind, you're not catching up. Yeah. All right. Okay, so on to our topic for tonight, to our update list earlier today. Yeah, we've we got guest 592 is in the chat room, and guest 592, whoever five, five, he or she is, says it's morning where they are. 562. 562, yeah. So, wow, somewhere across Someone the globe. Someone on the other side of the globe, yeah. yeah. Somebody's listening. Good morning, uh, uh, guest 562. Yeah. Um, to our update list earlier today, we sent out news of what our topic would be tonight. If you're not on our update list, get on it. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And uh, just say, add me to the list, we will. And on Thursdays, we send out news of our topic. Today's news was that we're going to discuss the works of the flesh okay. as are listed in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Yes. So I didn't count how many. One, two. There's a bunch. It's a long list. Uh, there's several there. Uh, 17. 17. 17 works of the flesh. Uh, and, and I've listed them here uh, in the order that they are listed in the King James Version. Um we haven't ever, we've never talked about those, try to cover them all, and we'll have to move quickly tonight, but, you know, it's very important for us to know what those things are, what they mean, because Paul specifically warned that anybody who's guilty of those things is not going to go to heaven. He yes, lists he the did. works of the flesh, Galatians 6, or excuse me, Galatians 5, beginning verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-mm-mm. Now, 
that makes this important. Yeah. Very important right there. Yeah. That, that, and so really what we're going to do tonight is sort of define, define terms, make sure we understand what they are so that we can be careful to avoid them. It's not an exhaustive list uh, here in uh, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, well, Paul even said, and things like these. Right. So, But we do need to know what these individual things are because we want to make sure that our lives are And I think are there are some annoying. of those words. Some of those words will be very easy to understand. Some of them might be more obscure to us, and in, in, you know, they don't ring a chord with modern meaning. And so we can kind of help define and give some synonyms and things like that. Yeah. Did you see any emulations today, Anthony? I may. I, I actually, I had to use an emulator at work today. Well, I don't think that's different. different I think that's different. <laughs> okay. See, so. we need a definition. So that's a good. I'm glad you're here tonight, Anthony. All Keep right. your ears on. Okay. All, okay. all right. So let's start out. We're, I'm not, not going to read them all, but we'll just start out with the first two. We've got to take the first two together: adultery and fornication. The King James Version lists adultery and fornication. Many newer translations only mention fornication. Um, there's some manuscript difference there, but that's not too critical because actually we we understand adultery to be a subset of the sin of fornication. Okay. Now, I want to make a point here about definitions. Many of the newer translations, for instance, the New American Standard Version calls it simply immorality. I think that's too vague, too broad. Uh, this is a more specific, certainly fornication is immorality, but this is a more more specific immorality. All right. uh, some other versions say sexual immorality. But even at that, I don't think that that's well defined enough. I mm-hmm. think we've got to, uh, to, to be a little more specific. Um, lexicons would tell us that this word comes from the Greek word pornea, which literally means to indulge in, in, in unlawful lust of either sex. Uh, Vine says pornea is used of illicit sexual intercourse. Okay. Uh, and so what we're talking about here is actual illicit or unauthorized illegal sexual contact between persons. Yeah. Now, I believe that is the, the correct definition of fornication. It's not just immorality, although it clearly is morality. It's not just sexual immorality because you could be guilty of sexual things, sexual immorality, without having contact with another person. But fornication involves illicit or illegal, unauthorized sexual contact between persons. Adultery. I'm oh, sorry, fornication. Fornication, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that being the case, then like our friend James in South Africa has written in by email today, and he says, any sort of unauthorized sexual relationship, and he mentions incest, polygamy, adultery, homosexuality, uh, so those would all be included. In other words, fornication is a, is a broad umbrella that covers all sorts of illicit sexual activity between persons. Mm-hmm. Um, now, adultery, on the other hand, uh, is, more spe- is a specific form of that. James uh, goes on to say adultery is having a sexual relationship that violates the bond of marriage. Mm-hmm. And he says that bond is specified in passages like Romans 7, 1 through 4. Okay. Jim in Kentucky says fornication is sexual relations prior to or outside of marriage. I, I would agree. that I, He says adultery is sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse, sexual relations outside of a lawful marriage. I would, I, I would, I'm, I'm sure I know what Jim means here, but I, I would clarify that definition a little bit. Adultery is sexual relations with someone who's not your spouse, and you have a spouse. Right. In other words, adultery is sexual immorality, or, or there, there I go using that term. Sexual relations, illicit sexual relations. A married person involved in sexual relations with someone other than their spouse is adultery. Fornication is sexual relationships. In general, yeah, it, it could be involving married or unmarried people. It could involve homosexual relationships. It could involve incest. It could involve bestiality. Uh, it, it involves sexual contact, illicit or unlawful sexual contact. Adultery is a specific form of that. 
wherein a married person is having sexual contact with someone other than their spouse. All right. Chris in the U.K. responds. Thank you for responding, Chris. And I think this. Uh, I think Chris may be guest 562 in the U.K. It could be. We may have another guest uh, from the U.K. tonight. Maybe they can clarify that for us. Uh, Chris says uh, the Decalogue pro- uh, protects marriage in Exodus 20, 14, Deuteronomy 5, 18, and thus forbids its violation by adultery. Uh, the New Testament puts the husband as well as the wife under the obligation of fidelity. Marriage is a lifelong partnership. Divorce is contrary to God's original purpose. Mark, Matthew six, 19, verses 6 and following. And remarriage after divorce is adultery. Uh, Matthew 5, 32, 19, 9. Mark 10, 11, and 12. Luke 16, 18. Adultery is present even in the desire. Matthew 5, 28. So absolute is the divine requirement. Even the lustful glance is sinful. Second Peter Two verse fourteen. So that's his response on adultery, um, and he says uh, fornication. The Greek term pornia, whilst giving a big clue to one aspect, is linked to the term given to to prostitute, be they male or female. In the Old Testament, uh, it was used at, for the term to play the harlot, also used to be unfaithful in your beliefs in and of God. The New Testament presupposes the existence of harlots in Palestine and the sinfulness of their trade. Matthew twenty one thirty two one and thirty two, Luke. 15 verse 30 unnatural sex in the pagan world is an outworking of divine judgment uh romans 118 the church must keep itself pure from such vices first corinthians 5 verses 1 and following individual pornea pollutes the whole church second corinthians 12 verses 19 and following uh, god's will for his people is sanctification first thessalonians 4 verses 3 and following the christian is the temple of the spirit and may not give to a harlot members that belong to christ first corinthians 6 15 and 16 now, and we may not jacob we may not be able to read all of those lengthy definitions on every one of these or we won't get done tonight randy in uh, uh schwartz creek michigan has sent in also a, a some some long definitions and a number of bible passages uh, just qu- quickly, his resource that he has copied and sent in to us suggests adultery is conjugal infidelity. An adulterer was a man who had illicit intercourse with a married or betrothed woman, and such a woman was an adulteress. Uh, intercourse between a, a married man and an unmarried woman, uh, I'm not sure if I agree with that. Intercourse between a married man and an unmarried woman was fornication. No, that was, well, it was fornication, but it was also adultery. Uh, Fornication is, again, by Thayer's definition, illicit sexual intercourse. A couple of quick definitions. We've got to go to a break. Fornication refers to sexual immorality in general. It is defined in the lexicons as, quote, prostitution, unchastity, fornication of every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse, aren't Gingrich. Thayer says properly of illicit sexual intercourse in general. So that's fornication. And, and then, of course, adultery is illicit sex in which one party is the spouse of another. All right. So fornication is the big umbrella term. Adultery is the more specific term relating to someone who's in a marriage bond. And, uh, and those two things must be avoided when we get back from the break. Uncleanness, lasciviousness. There's another word that we have not used in some time in our daily conversation. Uh, and idolatry. So those will be the terms we look at when we get back and more as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Sometimes when I consider what tremendous consequences come from little things, I'm tempted to think that there are no little things. A happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. 
The trouble is you think you have time. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Uh, welcome you back, and uh, we're talking about the works of the flesh. Uh, we've got a long way to go, so we're going to go yeah, fast. We're trying to cover all 17 of the works of the flesh as is listed in the King James Version, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. We want to talk next about uncleanness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the King James Version says uncleanness. The other, most other versions use the word impurity. Okay. Um, and uh, Vine says that that word could refer to physical uncleanness. Uh, for instance, in, in secular writings, you, they would often uh, use this term in regards to those who kept their house in good condition versus those who did not. So you can think of a filthy a filthy house. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we see in the news where, the, where they go into a place and it's just, you know, covered in filth and unhealthy uh, conditions. Well, if you think of that in the physical terms, Vine says that's a picture of how it's used morally, ah, un- uncleanness. Okay. Physical, it can refer to physical material dirt, but in spiritual terms, in the in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word is used to denote physical, ritual, and ceremonial impurity. You know, a lot of times in the Old Testament, it talked about those who became uh, uh, unclean by virtue of maybe contact with yes, a dead body right. or something. Is that well? That w- this term would apply to that physical condition. In other words, they 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 had to go through rites of purification because they had touched or come into contact with something that made them unclean. Okay. But it also, but it also indicates moral impurity, which is inconsistent with personal purity. Whatever is defiling, contaminating, or impure in look, in gesture, in dress, in thought, or in sentiment. In Romans chapter one verse twenty-four, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts unto uncleanness, that their bodies should be dishonored among themselves. Romans one verse twenty-four. So, uh, it, it, it the, the word has its root in just physical filth. Mm-hmm. But then the idea is that people spiritually can also be unclean in that way. James in South Africa says this seems to refer to a general lifestyle of unclean living. Maybe it refers to tolerance of evil, such as what is condemned in Romans 1, 29 through 32. Thank you for that, James. According to uh, to Jim, he says, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, it would be the opposite of holy. So one who is immoral in thought or act. Is unclean. Is unclean. That that's an interesting uh, connection there. It's the opposite of being holy. Chris in the UK looked up several different versions or translations rather, trans, and and uh, in uh, two of them it was translated as impurity. One translated it as impure thoughts. One translated it as not being pure. One translated it as filthy thoughts. So so some of the translators are 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 suggesting that it's really a a attitude of mind but of course attitude of mind would lead to actions as well for sure all right uncleanness he says clings like an infection and renders uh cultically unserviceable uh objects animals places uh, so there's uh, he says there's lots of ways that one could become unclean in the old testament perhaps uh a shadow of what's in the new testament yeah. as well uh, randy uh, suggests first thessalonians 4 7 is a good use of god hath not called us unto uncleanness but to holiness well right there you would see the contrast holiness is the opposite of uncleanness and that was a bat- passage that jim referenced from yeah. kentucky as well that's a good connection yeah uh it goes on to say sometimes it helps us to see what something is not to help us understand what it is that is uncleanness is not holiness all right good i think that wraps that one up all right good let's keep moving now quickly. we're on to that other one that, that now Anthony. we're on to the and i really think this is such an important word it's, it's unfortunate that it is just sort of a church word you know it's a, a religious word lasciviousness um uh the king james uses that word lascivious other versions say indecency, sensuality, or debauchery. Mm-hmm. It comes is a compound word of aselgis. Selgis means continent, exercising restraint. Aselgis means not exercising 
restraint. That's a good definition. Vine says simply it is the absence of restraint, and the prominent idea is of shameless conduct. And that's sort of what James was picking up on from South Africa. He says this word seems to refer to sensuality. Perhaps it refers to one's dress and conduct. For example, someone willing to dress immodestly might be called lascivious. I think that's exactly right. Uh, uh, Here's some lexicon definitions. Unbridled lust, excess, licentiousness, lasciviousness, wantonness, outrageousness, shamelessness, insolence, lasciviousness, again, uh, licentiousness. Uh, Thayer says it is wanton acts or manners as filthy words, indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females, and so forth. Uh, Webster says it is simply lewd, lustful, that which is intending to produce lewd emotions. Okay. Uh, so uh, what, whatever is done, what you, how you act, talk, dress, the, the conduct uh, that you display, if, it's in, if it is such a thing that is intended to produce lewd emotions in others, then that's lasciviousness. You know, I've always thought that Thayer's definition there sounds like he's def- describing modern dance. Indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, uh, that sounds exactly like he's describing wh- what people do when they dance today. Dancing would be condemned. You know, somebody says, where does it say in the Bible that you can't dance? Well, it says it right here when it condemns lasciviousness as a work of the flesh. All right. Uh, that's right. And, and, and I think that a lot of people are getting tripped up today on, well, the Bible doesn't say not to. I guess they always have gotten tripped up on that. The Bible doesn't say not to, or as if the Bible, Anthony, has to forbid something explicitly before it would be condemned. And that's simply not the case. Uh, these, these overarching principles need to regulate and govern our life, and so we've got to make the application. Right. Yeah, the Bible, you know, authorizes uh, positively, not not negatively. Did I get that right? So we do what we're authorized to do. We don't look to the Bible for oh. a list of things that it, we can't. That do. Doesn't say not to. Right. Doesn't say interesting. Not. Uh, the you know, I think especially we need to be coaching our young people about what lasciviousness means and how to avoid it because it would include dancing. It would include uh, things that young couples might do in dating right. scenarios. You right. know, uh, uh, I, don't even, I don't even think this is a term that, that young people even recognize anymore. But when, when I was a young man, they called it petting, you know. Mm. Uh, and, you know, much of what would fall under that category would be lasciviousness intended yep. to produce lust. Right. And so uh, we need to understand what lasciviousness is. It's used a number of times in the scriptures. Um well, Jim defines it here as impure lust and desires. Uh, and Chris in the UK has found impurity, impure thoughts, not being pure, filthy thoughts. That, that's no, that's true. unclean. I'm sorry, sensuality. Uh, that was he says lasciviousness, sensuality, debauchery, eagerness for lustful pleasure, taking part in sexual sins, shameful deeds. Okay, and those that's how some different translations translate that word. Yeah. He says his comment on it. Uh, lasciviousness, license, mostly f- physical, figuratively spiritual, debauchery or licentiousness in the sense that Second Peter 2, 7 speaks of Sodom and Gomorrah and Ephesians four nineteen speaks of the pagan world. Sexual excess is probably meant. Wouldn't that, doesn't that sound a lot like our culture and our media today? Yeah. <laughs> it's how we live like. in a lascivious age. Yep. I think that would be a fair description. Yep. You know, that would also be what's wrong with watching dirty movies, watching a lot of things that are on TV. Mm-hmm. It's lasciviousness because they're doing that specifically to entice a, a lewd thought in us. Right. And that's why they're displaying it. So it's lasciviousness. He, uh, uh, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, gives us a couple passages that help us to understand this definition. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And so there is that uh, being past feeling sort of given up uh, on their self-control. First um, Peter 4, verse 3, that our, the time past of our life may have suffered us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness. And then um, Jude verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this to condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So that, again, that idea of not having self-control. Exactly right. 
All right, so we're moving on. We're moving quickly. And so we're, we're moving on to a break. Oh, we got to take a break. Okay. Well, let's see here. But we... thankfully, Jacob, when we come back, the one we're going to talk about when we come back is we don't have any problem with it. Yeah, well. Idolatry. Maybe not. Uh, uh, we'll see. But I do have a warning. We've only done four, and we're halfway through. <laughs> uh, it's not looking good for the program tonight. We're going to go fast. We'll get back this week's Bullet Point, and we continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. We were talking about drivers on the interstate highway, and this fellow said, quote, you can't believe the crazy stunts they pull. They think they're the only ones on the highway. You'd think they own the road. Now, I've said the very same things myself, and when I made the remarks, I was talking about some of the truck drivers and their 18-wheelers. But the comments I just referenced were made by a truck driver himself, talking about the people who drive cars. Clearly, it's all a matter of perspective. This may have some application in some of the problems, fusses, and misunderstandings that sometimes trouble the church. Could it be that these might also be attributed to one's perspective? Quote, they're not friendly over there, or quote, no one seems to care about me or my problems, or quote, the preacher is to this or that, or quote, the elders don't this or that, or quote, sister so-and-so never does this or that. Wait a minute. Did you ever stop to analyze the problem from the other person's perspective? Often if we take time to look at the situation from the other man's point of view, we can gain some valuable insights that might help us work through the problem, resolve the fusses, and clear up the misunderstandings. God's word encourages us about such things. In Philippians 2, beginning verse 2, it says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. There are some issues of right and wrong, truth and error, that demand that we take a firm stand, no matter what the consequences may be. But too often, brethren have fought and divided, suffered bad feelings and alienation over things that could have been settled peacefully by simply walking, or maybe in some cases driving, a mile in the other man's shoes. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the virtual Bible study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight. Uh, we want to remind you this program, as it has been for nine years now, and going on our 10th year next week, uh, is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you will want to check out, if, you've not, if you haven't heard it already, the audio from our community Bible study this week on homosexuality on our main page there. Follow the link, and you can listen to that audio. Watch the video. You want to check it out at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything you've heard on any edition of the Virtual Bible Study over the last nine years, hello, uh, <laughs> you can find out, uh, you can contact us at any time, questions at collegeview.com. And we want to uh, we want to suggest or elicit, uh, solicit, uh, solicit would be a better word yeah. for that uh, tonight, um, your comments and, and also your suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study. All right, we're continuing quickly. Now, we've got to move faster, Jacob. We're going to talk about works of the flesh. They're found. They're listed in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Paul warns anybody guilty of these things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So we really need to know what they are. The next one is uni- uh, unanimously translated idolatry. Yes. Uh, when we think of idolatry, we think of image worship. Uh, that would, of course, be could be literal or it could be figurative. Um the the word comes from two words that suggest to serve a likeness to serve a likeness serve a likeness and and of course all through the old testament we know that people were guilty of this of actually carving out images and bowing down and worshiping them even the people of god were so often guilty of idolatry going all the way back you know Aaron made the golden calf while Moses was on the mountain receiving the law from god and and so I think that, you know that that really stands out in our mind. That's why I was sort of tongue in cheek suggesting, well, we don't have a problem with that. Now. Yeah, we well. don't have any problem with that now. Bowing down to an image, but really it's the idea of of something that is supplanting the right place of God, something taking the place of God. And I think the thing that that we are warned about most here uh, for us is got to be the passage Colossians three verse fifteen. Colossians 3.15, uh, 
Paul says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is our idolatry. Materialism, worshiping material things, what money and what it can buy. Right. But you think about that, it sort of makes sense. It's what takes the place of God, yep. what we put on the highest level and what we worship. And, uh, and James uh, gives us a good uh, working definition, worshiping anything other than God, showing adoration by words or actions for anything besides God. And I guess that, that, uh, that covetousness is where, where that adoration by words or actions, would uh, put something in front of God. I think that's exactly right. Okay. Uh, Chris in the U.K., uh, let's see. No, Jim says, worship of anyone or anything other than God, giving something a preeminent place in your life instead of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris in the U.K. has found it in all of the translations he, 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 he was looking unanimously at. translated as uh, as idolatry. He, he goes on and says, the worship of false gods, idolatry of the formal uh, sacrificial Beast held in honor of false gods, and so, uh, yeah, that idea of idolatry there. Yeah, and uh, five six two in the chat room references Romans one verse twenty five, uh, changing the truth of God into lie, worship the creation more than the Creator. Yeah. Uh, so we could uh, that idolatry could be our own selves. Uh, Anthony hadn't thought right. about that. Right. Mm, okay. Um, Paul, or I mean, uh, Randy mentions First Corinthians ten fourteen. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Certainly, that is the message we need to take away. Let's, I think that one's pretty easily grasped. All right, we we'll can make move up on. a little time there on right. the witchcraft. Witchcraft. The next one, the next of the works of the flesh, uh, and the King James is identified as witchcraft. Other versions often call it sorcery. It is from the Greek word pharmakia. And I think if you, when you, especially, I mean, maybe when you hear it, but especially if you saw that printed out pharmakia, it, it looks just very much like the word that we take from it, pharmacy mm-hmm. or pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical. Uh, it, it, and it has a, a reference to medicine. What's the gist of that? Yeah. Well, Vine describes it this way. Pharmakia primarily signified the use of medicine, drugs, spells, then poisoning, and then sorcery. Um, the use of drugs, whether simple or potent, was generally accompanied by incantations and appeals to occult powers with the provision of various charms, amulets, and so forth, professedly designed to keep the applicant or patient from, attention, from the attention and power of demons, but actually to impress the applicant with the mysterious resources and powers of the sorcerer. And so uh, they use drugs. Uh, sorcerers use drugs to keep people under their spells. Uh, we read several references to sorcery in the New Testament, uh, and so uh, it's interesting that what's, part of what's condemned by witchcraft or sorcery is the is the illicit use of drugs. Someone might say, "Where does the Bible say it'd be wrong to uh, uh, to take drugs, uh, or maybe smoke marijuana, uh, or do cocaine, or whatever?" Well, I would go to this word because this word has that in its meaning. Mm-hmm. The the meaning of witchcraft or or sorcery comes from the root word pharmakia. I think there's other arguments. We was, that that wouldn't be the sole source of our argument against taking drugs, but it's in that word too. Yeah. Okay. In uh, James in South Africa says this one is tricky. It may include drug use from which the word is derived, but that drug use may have been associated to magical rituals. Uh, it certainly involved the books burned in Acts 19. It involved incantations, even speaking the name of Jesus to get power over demons, again seen in Acts 19, verse 13. So, okay. interesting. All right. Uh, Jim says, a belief that you can communicate with evil beings, spirits, trying to communicate with evil beings, spirits, sometimes included using drugs to induce a hypnotic state. Okay. All right. It's necromancy, that trying to communicate with the dead. Is sometimes called necromancy. Mm-hmm. Astrology would oh, be astrology. would be in that as well. Trying to get you know that the that the stars control our our being. Um, okay, uh, so I think uh, sorcery participating in demonic activity. Chris says from the UK. Uh, he also goes on and says use or administering of drugs, poisoning, sorcery, magical gifts, often found in connection with idolatry and fostered by it. The deceptions and seductions of idolatry. 
Yeah, and that's a, that's the same thing that the definition from that's the definition from Thayer actually. Okay. That's the same thing that uh, Randy suggests in his in his uh, uh, message. Okay. So, you know, uh, I think that again might possibly be one that people say, well, you know, I'm I'm not around any sorcerers and I don't read the daily horoscope and uh, you know uh, uh, all that sort of thing. I never try to talk to a dead, you know, never try to communicate with the dead. So I'm not guilty of witchcraft. But maybe the thing that would be more practical is I think a lot of people misuse drugs. Mm-hmm. And I, that that's partially, at least partially. I, again, that wouldn't be my my primary argument against the use, illicit use of drugs. No, but, no. but it's in there. It's yeah. in there, too. All right. All right. Let's move quickly. Next. We're going to take two together. Hatred and variance. And now can, we're moving on. Two at one time. In the King James Version, they are listed uh, right with each other. Other versions say enmity or strife or hatred and discord. The meanings are literally host- uh, for hatred, hostility, hateful, uh, hatefulness, passionately odious or actively hostile. Uh, Vine says it is the opposite of agape love. So this hatred, again, sometimes it helps to define something by telling what it's not. And here, uh, this hatred that's condemned as a work of the flesh is the opposite of agape love. Uh, mm-hmm. The word for variance or strife, to quarrel, contention, debate, the expression of enmity or hatred. So what you really got here, Jacob, two things that are related. Again, the King James calls it hatred and variance. Hatred is the hostile attitude. It's also called enmity. It's an attitude. I, I have hatred or enmity in my heart. Then what do I do? Then I act with variance or st- to cause strife and discord. And so the attitude is hatred or enmity. The actions that result are variance, strife, discord. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, James says the word seems to refer to enmities and the things that cause enmity. There are people who like to be at enmity with other people and are unwilling to be reconciled. Jesus commanded reconciliation in Matthew chapter 5. Paul said, as much as it depends on us, we must be at peace with other people. So that's uh, James's working definition of hatred. I like that. He says variance is basically fighting. Some people like to fight with others. Yeah. And, uh, well, sadly, that seems to be the case sometimes. Jim says hatred is strong feelings of dislike, sometimes to the point of desiring pain or discomfort on another. Variance is to act as to divide, cause dissent, purposefully cause division among brethren. All right. Uh, And uh, Chris has found enmities, hostility, variance meaning strife, discord, quarreling, making trouble and hard to get along with. Well, there's a good uh, definition. In his comments, he mentions it's a disposition of hostility, um, a disposition, objective opposition, actual conflict. Uh, He says variance is the opposite of peace. So, all right. Um, well, here's a here's a definition. Or a, uh, Jesus uses the term variance. Uh, Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, references uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. And I think we can understand what Jesus said about this. He didn't condemn this type of variance, but it helps us understand maybe the variant kind of variance that uh, we're looking at there in, in Galatians chapter 5. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 35, beginning, For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's foes shall be they of his own household. So um, that idea that Jesus was going to put uh, some strife between households and, and fathers and mothers. Well, that strife is a, a natural response to those living like they should. But uh, we shouldn't be seeking that type of, uh, of strife if we could prevent it, as Paul instructed. All right. Real quickly, let's do this next one real quickly, Jacob. Two together, emulations, and then skip down in the list to envyings. They are actually synonyms of one another. Emulations and envy. Emulations is translated usually in newer translations with the word jealousy. We understand jealousy. Might not have any idea what emulations are, but think the word jealousy. And newer Mm -hmm. translations translate it that way. And so it and it comes from a root word that means to be hot or to boil, and so it's very it's a strong word of passion, jealousy. Envyings mean ill will. Envy is the feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage or prosperity of others, according to Vine. So uh, emulations means jealousy. Envyings mean hating when other people do well. All right. 
Um, and we have uh, Jim in, in Kentucky says emulations desire to be better than others, to excel, to advance beyond others, can lead one to look down on others, and envies a desire are born of jealousy that, for that which belongs to another. Their position, honor, material belongings, envy that of what others have can cause anger and can lead to other feelings which might cause one to act in an ungodly manner towards another. Uh Chris in UK has found that emulations are universally translated as jealousy in, in other translations. Um, so I think we've got that. I, I think that's pretty clear. Jealousies or envies. You know, if you think about it, Jacob, that's contrary to, to the notion of love. Just just today, uh, we, we heard that someone close to us got a good job promotion. Right. And so we love that person. Right. And we were happy for them. Right. You know, if if I didn't love a person and I heard that they got a job promotion, I said, ah, oh, you know, ah, it makes me mad. I hate that he got that. Or well, closely related to it, Anthony, is the idea of pride. Um, because, you know, if I'm envious of what you have, then I, by default, have to think that I'm more worthy and deserving of that than you are. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. So, uh, so it's wrapped up in that idea. All right, so that's emulations uh, and envies, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got to rush to the top of the hour. We're going to top of the hour after this, and we're moving fast. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues in fast pace right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. We're back with another question from Do You Know? This week's question is, What was the name of the deputy in Salamis on the island of Cyprus whom Barnabas and Saul ministered to? We'll give you a few moments to think about it, and we'll be right back with the answer. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a study conducted by the University of Massachusetts, 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. But even that number makes it sound better than it really is. Those people in the study who did lie actually told an average of three lies during their brief conversation. That information is via mentalfloss.com. The Word of God says in Ephesians 4, verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We're back with the answer of this week's question. The question was, what was the name of the deputy in Salamis on the island of Cyprus whom Paul and Saul ministered to? The answer is found in Acts chapter 13 verse 7. That answer is Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus. Thank you for participating. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program, going fast to the top of the hour as we try and wrap up these works of the flesh from Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Yeah, we, there's 17 of them in the, in the King James listing, and so there's a lot to talk about there. And we're, Basically, all we're accomplishing here is to make sure we understand the definitions so that we can avoid these things. So important. Yeah, I mean, and so hopefully we've found something tonight that, well, that, that, could, be a, that could be a danger, and I, I need to think about that some more yeah uh the next one is the word wrath and um other versions say things like outburst of anger fits of rage or ill temper um vine speaks of hot anger or passion a more agitated condition of the feelings an outburst of wrath and so you know we we, we this is such a problem that through the years Humans have come up with figures of speech to describe this sort of thing. You know, how often have we heard somebody who blew his blew his top, mm-hmm. uh, lost his temper, mm-hmm. flew off the handle? Mm-hmm. You know, all those kind of things. You know, indicate that this is obviously a common flaw. Uh, so much so that people have developed, you know, sort of little trick phrases to describe it. To, to give meaning to it. It's an outburst of rage. And a lot of people are prone to that. And and it's it's something that God tells us we've got to avoid. And, well, we've got road rage now. Yeah, See, that's sure. another, another common another. Uh, term there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, certainly it's something we've got to avoid. I, I had one example from the New Testament of, of an example of this word. In Luke 4, verse 28, uh, the opponents of Jesus, 
they all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. So, you know, they just just blew up with rage. That's wrath. Here's what Jim says from Kentucky. He says, strong anger to the point of acting on that, that anger. God will execute his wrath on the unjust. So godly wrath is okay, uh, but our wrath is uh, to be avoided. Yeah. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Uh, James 1, verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's a good one there. Yeah. That, that, that's, it's going to get in the way of us living like we should if we have this wrath that we do not, uh, exactly. that we allow to get the better part of us. Yeah. Uh, Chris in the UK says outburst of anger, fits of rage, being angry or angry is the way it's translated. Um, and um, so uh, he says uh, it denotes violent movement of air, water, the ground, or living creatures from the sense that to boil up comes from uh, to smoke and then to sacrifice. Uh, so uh, interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, again, I think that one's pretty easy to grasp, but it's really something that a lot of people work on. And you know what the danger of that is, Jacob? People say, oh, that's just the way I am. You know, I, just, I, 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 I can't control. I just it. have a hot temper. You know, I, I just blow up. You shouldn't have made me mad. Yeah, I just, it, I can't, I can't change. That's just the way I am. Anthony, no, you got to stop that. Yeah. Gotta, some people even seem proud. You know, they're proud of the fact that they're, you know, that they're. Don't let it, I don't take anything fuse. off of anybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Short fuse. There's another expression, Anthony. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on. I want to take three together. They're found together in the King James Version. Uh, and, they, and it's sort of three that are progressive. Strife, seditions, heresies. Okay. Uh, other versions say disputes, dissensions, factions. Uh, one version says selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions. So to start out, strife, that's contention. Uh, it denotes ambition, self-seeking, rivalry, self-will being an underlying idea of the word. Hence, it denotes a party making, seeking to win followers. So uh, then that moves on to sedition, which is disunion, dissension, division, sedition, literally a standing apart, uh, a division and heresy. And then then heresies, properly a choice, a party or a disunion, a sect to take for oneself, to prefer to choose denotes a choosing choice, then that which is chosen, and hence an opinion, especially a self-willed opinion, which is substituted for and leads to division and the formation of sex. Okay, here's the here's the idea. So strife is the guy who has this personal ambition to develop a following. Mm-hmm. Seditions are what he does. He stirs up quarrelsome div- div- uh, divisiveness. So he, he's got... He's, he, he, He's a person who has a selfish ambition. He can't be at peace. He stirs up trouble, and ultimately he builds a clique, a divisive group, or a party. So I think those three are related together. It starts with strife. In other words, that's the attitude this guy has. He causes quarrelsome divisiveness, and then he pulls off those who are loyal to him to mm-hmm. set up a party. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Strife, seditions, heresies. Yeah, good. That's uh, yeah, I like that explanation. Uh, and, and James says heresies are willing to hold and push opinions that divide brethren from each other. Romans fourteen one through fifteen verse seven has a nice treatment on how to respect one another in matters of opinion. So James would be that uh, that binding of your opinion would be uh, to the point of divisiveness. To, be to, to want to set up your own party. Yeah. In other words, who's who's on my side? Who who be loyal to me? Yeah, well, it's not about who's loyal to me. It's about who's loyal to the Lord. But but the person who has strife, who foments sedition, who develops a heretical party, he thinks totally wrong and all that. Yeah, Jim in Kentucky says strife is to be the cause of problems among brethren, constantly causing disharmony among brethren. Seditions to cause rioting in a spiritual sense within a congregation. One who would foster rejection of authority, the eldership, seeks means to gain authority. And then he says heresies would be false teaching. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Chris in the U.K. has seditions as, uh, excuse me, strife, strife, disputes, selfish ambitions, being selfish, seditions, dissensions, divisions, making people angry with each other. Uh, and then heresies, factions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group, causing divisions among people, causing trouble. All right. And uh, we have Randy from Swartz Creek. Uh, he said, he references for strife, 
uh, Philippians 2, verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And so if we have that lowliness of mind, then uh, certainly that will take care of the problem of strife. Okay. And uh, he references James 13, or 3, 14 through 16 as well. You have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom deceiveth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You ever seen that, where envying and strife were? You ever seen that uh, sure. uh, confusion in every evil work? Exactly. It's Absolutely. what happens. Yeah. All yeah. right. We got to quickly, and I think we're going to get it done, Jacob. The last couple uh, that we need to deal with go together, drunkenness and revelings. Uh, other versions, all, they all say drunkenness. Some will use the word for revelings. Are you going to skip murders? Yeah, I'm skipping murders. Okay. <laughs> I'm skipping murders at, just on the idea that everybody knows what murder everybody is. is. I think uh, so, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, in 1 John, I would mention in 1 John chapter. Anthony would kill for a good definition of murder. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, where is that? Uh, who who doesn't love his brother? Who hates his brother is like a murderer, um, uh, and no truth lieth in him. Yeah, and First John. Yeah, but I'm I'm drawing a blank here on. But anyway, I, I think we can be guilty of a murderous attitude, even if we didn't actually commit the deed. First uh, John three fifteen. Three fifteen. There it is. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal yep. life abiding in right. him. Right. Okay. So we'll skip that one and go to the last couple, drunkenness and revelings. Again, all the translations use the word drunkenness. Uh, some, instead of reveling, talk about carousing. One version def- descri- uh, translates that as orgies. The word drunkenness is the Greek word meth, meaning intoxication or drunkenness. Vine says it is strong drink, denoting drunkenness, habitual intoxication, but, the, uh, you know, actually, there are several words. This is not the strongest word for drunkenness. There's, there is a stronger word for drunkenness than this. Oh, wow. And so, uh, you know, this, this, is, this is not the full-blown dr- alcoholic. This is a guy who frequently gets drunk, but he's you know, probably, he probably a functioning alcoholic. He's not, the, he's not the guy laying in the gutter, you know, drunken, drunken person who just incapable of living life because he's so overtaken by alcohol. This is a guy who gets drunk frequently, but he'd probably still be able to function, hold a job most of the time and so forth. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a lesser word than the word, uh, other word that translated drunkenness. Revelings uh, denotes a carousal, a rioting, uh, to lie outstretched, literally or figurative, to lay or lie, of course, used in the sense of sexual uh, activity, a revel, a carousing. And he and Vine says it it is it, it is naturally related as a consequence of drunkenness. All right, and Jim in Kentucky has uh, these uh, as well. Uh, he says drunkenness is inebriation, use of alcohol where one is no longer sober-minded, loss of judgment and moral ability. And I think that the that uh, that that drunkenness is probably happens a lot earlier than what we might think of. When yeah. we think about drunkenness today, the this, the falling down in the gutter kind of drunkenness, yeah. uh, the loss of judgment and moral ability. And some that people think very, you're only drunk if you pass out. Right. You know? You're throwing up in the toilet. Yeah, but you're way drunk before that. And you're losing judgment and moral ability. That happens very soon, Anthony. In fact, it takes very little alcohol for one to be uh, in their judgment to be impaired to the point where they're not to be even behind the wheel. Right. Um, and so that uh, we need to be aware of that. Revelance, he says, is engaged in activity which encourages drunkenness and rioting. Okay, real quick, uh, I think, again, we've got a pretty good handle on that. Uh, remember, all these things have to be avoided. Those, those who do these things and those and things like these, Paul says, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. All right, so there's that, uh, that caveat at the end, that things in similar form here. Things like these or yeah. such as these. Uh, yeah. So uh, here, here's something, just by way of summary, we're out of time. Often commentators will divide these things into four groups. The first of them that we talked about involves sensuality and sexual sin. The second grouping talked about unlawful things in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. A third group involved forms of discord or disunion or divisiveness. Uh, uh-huh, I see that. And a fourth group, things of intemperateness or excess. Well, 
You know, in our day and time, all those things are on the rise. All those are problem areas. And not just for people of the world, even among Christians, these are troubling things that we see occurring with greater frequency, and we've got to be avoiding them. All right. Good discussion tonight. It's been a fast pace. We haven't had time to spend on any one, but it's good to have Really, really what we wanted to do, I think we were able to do what we wanted to do, and that is just make sure we understand the terms. Yeah. Right, because we've got to be on guard of these. Right. Those who inherit, do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Exactly right. All right, so we've got to be aware. Well, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, Anthony, thank you for being here. Enjoyed the discussion with you. And, Dad, thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for nine years. Nine years of the virtual Bible study. Pretty pretty amazing. It doesn't seem, it just seems just like yesterday almost. Well, not exactly. Not exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. But you know, we have we have done we've made a lot of changes over nine years, uh, and hopefully we've made some progress in making the virtual Bible study a better resource because that's really what it, we want it to be. And we, we want your suggestions on that. Uh, yeah. How can we make the tenth year better than uh, the ninth year? If you have suggestions or comments, we welcome those questions at collegeu.com. Thanks again, Dad, and thank you for listening. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.